As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Daniel Burke and he is the president and COO of EWTN News. He's uh, the co-host uh, with his wife of Divine Intimacy uh, Radio. He's the president and founder of Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation, an international speaker, author of the award-winning book, Navigating the Interior Life, uh, Spiritual Direction and the Journey to God. He's a frequent radio and television guest. He's a retreat master and founder of the award-winning site dedicated to authentic Catholic spirituality, spiritualdirection.com. Dan lives in Birmingham, Alabama with his wife and children. Again, you can find him at spiritualdirection.com. We're going to get into his faith journey and, and more of his witness talk. Like what has God done in his life to bring him to where he is today? And how can that inspire you, Broken Catholic Nation, in your walk with Christ right here? Wherever you are is okay. You got to start somewhere. God will meet you right there. But he's got, he wants to take you deeper into relationship with him. Dan, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? No, it's great to be with you. Well, I, I like what you said, wherever you are is okay. I always say, wherever you are is okay, as long as you don't stay there. Amen to that. Yeah, so, God does not want us to stay as, uh, you know, spiritual rocks, just like right. stuck in, in, in our rut. Um, any gaps in the intro you want to clean up for me? Maybe well, I, I, I think it's only a half hour show. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I know that's fine. I mean, I, uh, since, uh, we, we didn't serve you well with the bio as we were talking about before the show, but since then, since I published navigating the interior life, I've edited or written about uh, 12, 13 more books. I lose count, uh, reproposing authentic Catholic spirituality to the church, which is, really the heart of my own personal mission. Of course, I do a lot more than that, but uh, I love the Catholic mystical tradition. It's what brought me into the Catholic church. So uh, I spend as much time as I can doing that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, your walk from uh, 
Protestantism into Catholicism. Uh, yeah. So if you would uh, take us back a little bit and uh, to the start of that, uh, what type of denomination were you raised in? And then just walk us through and tell us that story. Well, I started out as a broken little Jewish boy, you know, so I'm Jewish and uh, Hebrew Catholic. I'm still Jewish, but believe in Jesus as the Messiah. I came to that conclusion by God's grace through um, uh, just a, a series of uh, nonstop series of tragedies of my childhood, which include, included abuse. And um, uh, my mother was, you know, of course, Jewish, but involved also in the occult. And mm. sometimes when you uh, get involved in the occult and you call into the darkness, there's no response. And sometimes there is. And unfortunately, there was which was a, a sort of a profound terror of my youth. But by the time I was in, in around 20 years old, I was ready to uh, put a bullet in my head. And, um, and so my basic proposition was if, if there is truth, if there is a way, if there's a meaning behind suffering, I won't do that, but I've got to, I was desperate to find that meeting, that meaning. And, um, uh, by, by Providence, uh, I ended up, um, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I ended up, uh, listening to Walter Martin, who's a wonderful God rest his soul evangelical who, uh, very well studied, who's a scholar. And, uh, and I, I he was kind of a jerk. Uh, he was super known to be super direct and sort of crotchety, which fit my personality. Mine as well. Right. And, and uh, he's let it slip one day that he was Southern Baptist. So I just sort of opened the what were then the white pages. Those things don't exist anymore, but I don't think they exist anyway. But uh, and I opened it up and I sort of, you know, looked around to see where there might be a Southern Baptist church near where I was. And I found Glen Memorial Baptist Church and I ended up um, uh, I thought I'd be, you know, kind of incognito because uh, I had no clue what a Christian service was like. I didn't even know. I had no orientation to it at all, you know. So I sat in the back incognito. The, the first five rows filled up of pews. There were about 20 empty pews, and then there was me. And so uh, the, the pastor had a good sense that I was someone to be pounced upon after the service, and he, and he was right. And he, he came up to me. I don't remember all the details, but uh, uh, you, to give you a sense of where I was, I won't sugarcoat what I said to him, but he, he said something like, you know, what are you going to do when uh, you get to your judgment? And when God asks me, why should I let you into heaven? My answer is basically, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I'm hurting and I'm dying inside and I got, I got to have answers. And if if you think you have answers and you're willing to help me, then I'd, I'd like to listen. And so that began a, a year long journey and uh, with him going through evidence that demands a verdict. Um, I was just in the Museum of the Bible yesterday in Washington, D.C. It's a great place to explore this reality, but we explored the archaeological veracity of the Old Testament, the, the uh, reliability of the documents historically, and both internally consistent and uh, consistent with external historical records as well as archaeology and uh, I came to you know a, a kind of a general belief I wouldn't call it faith but that the Bible is a reliable document in in terms of its 
not necessarily in terms of its claims, but in terms of its, you know, this, it, when it speaks of this war happening and this person existing and that person, you know, the more, the more time goes by, the more discoveries we make of all of those figures in scripture. And, hmm. and, and I came to believe, okay, it's a reliable document. Then we went to the prop, the, you know, the discussion about the Messiah of the Jews and the prophecies in Isaiah or in Genesis about who, you know, to whom would the Messiah be born? Where would they be born? Where would they travel in the womb of the mother? You know, how they would um, be sacrificed for our sins. Uh, and, and then of course he took me to the New Testament, same drill, veracity and, and then the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus, which is statistically uh, really not possible as outside of the miraculous, you know, so, um, the, so the claims were so strong and uh, spoke so uh, clearly to me. Um, I think uh, that I was open and then the kind of the kicker was C.S. Lewis's Lord, liar and lunatic argument, you know, uh, Jesus is either a liar and that he knows he's not God and claims he is, or he's a lunatic and he thinks he's got not God and he is, he, he isn't. Um, but he, or he's, or he's Lord, and when he said before Abraham was, I am, uh, which was a radical, it's the most radical way to claim uh, deity in a Jewish context, which is basically saying, I pre-existed you, I pre-existed Abraham, who lived uh, you know, uh, uh, more than a thousand years ago, and I was the one with Moses in the burning bush who said, I am that I am. So this is why the Jews tore their robes and kind of nuts on him. Um, uh, some believed, of course, many believed actually. Uh, most of the first century church was made up of Jews, which we see at, the, uh, at Pentecost. But uh, so uh, at that moment in the Southern Baptist Church, I, I, I realized that he was God and I'm not, and he's the way and the truth and the life. And, and so I bent my knee and really you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer, which I don't really have a problem with, you know, uh, but my disposition of soul was not like, okay, you're God, I'm going to let you in, which is, you know, kind of a little odd to me. It was more like, okay, I'm, I'm nothing. And I, and I, and I, you know, I, I have, I have no reason to live. Give, you know, give me a reason. And you've given me a reason. I was created for a purpose and uh, help me please, you know, so it was very much a beggar uh, mm -hmm. before the throne of grace. And uh, he's been true to his love and promise uh, to mm -hmm. me all these years since about 1988, something like that. So take us through the, um, the next step or jump to go from feeling that just spiritual unworthiness and barely wanting to be alive uh, mm -hmm. to all of a sudden having a reason to live um, yep. brought to you through a Baptist pastor, which is, I, I love the way God works. And mm -hmm. uh, God brought me closer to him in my faith through my Baptist brothers mm -hmm. uh, as well. So I really connect with you on that. Um, but after you had the reason to live, um, really stepping into, well, what's the purpose of your life? Like what direction do you now start to move in. And I think so many of us as Christians, we get jammed up right there. And sometimes that could last five years, 10 years, 20 years, or a lifetime. And we never really move into purpose. Uh, yeah, walk I mean, us through that, would you? You, you? we can circle the drain pretty easily. The devil's, uh, 
always looking to trip us up, you know. Uh, so, you know, at that point I had hope. I didn't have peace, but I did have hope. And uh, I began to live the Christian life. I was, I was a crazy radical believer. I'm, uh, I've always been all in. So, you know, I went, I memorized scripture, went door to door, evangelism, all of that. But uh, I ran into a Jehovah's Witness who told me, this, so the, very shortly after my conversion, I ran into a Jehovah's Witness who said, you know, um, uh, the Catholic Church is corrupt and, and wrecked everything. Um, the bad guys won at the Council of Nicaea. Jesus is not really God. And, and I thought, okay, sure, I know the Catholic Church is corrupt. Um, but I know Jesus is God, and that's not right. So I began to explore that. Now, to back up, why would I say that? I obviously don't believe that now, but um, the first Catholic I ever met was my stepfather, and part of my suffering as a child was, you know, he beat my mother into the emergency room. He fired a gun in our home mm -hmm. in an argument with her. He was, he terrorized us. Um, and, and as a teenager, he attempted to convince me the Catholic Church was the one true faith which I always tell people is a really crappy approach to evangelism. But the, the, so I when and then this Baptist church, not all Baptist churches are this way, but this Baptist church was part of their identity was of course Christ, but also part of their identity was we are not Catholic. And so mm. the Catholic church is bad and evil, therefore us, you know, which is, <laughs> which is, doesn't really work. A lot of it's kind of a marketing message of if you hate the Catholic church as much as us, or you've been hurt and abused by someone who is Catholic, then we're the church for you. Is that yeah, no, but they're also, they're also carrying the banner of the Reformation still. Sure. Much of that's faded, I think, because most of evangelicalism has lost its, its doctrinal distinction. So that, and, and there's a really big emphasis on life for those who are faithful. And that bridge is really solid between us and the evangelicals. So I, so I think that, you know, those, many of those walls and prejudices have come down and it's sort of a minority that really look at Catholics as unbelievers. So I began, because of the prompting of that Jehovah's Witness, I began studying. I picked up a copy of the early church fathers and just, you know, to be clear before I say what I have to say, um, Anyone who says, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to give everything to him in my life, I'm going to stand beside them. So I'm not anti, I'm not like an, a former smoker, right, who, who, who sort of thinks that all smokers are possessed and, and we need to cross the street and all that. So I don't think of that in terms of uh, the, my former evangelicalism. I, I was brought to Jesus through, you know, one of the reformers, John Calvin, uh, in, 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 in terms of, uh, study, but I was brought to Jesus by a Southern Baptist pastor. Uh, I probably would have ended up with a bullet in my head if it would, if God had not placed that man in my path. So I'm eternally grateful for that entire experience. Of course, I learned scripture very well. So it's a little bit of a myth that Protestants know scripture. Most of them know about 20, 25 verses really to kind of, uh, but I was uh, one of those who was kind of over the top serious and memorized a lot of scripture. Uh, and it was in great measure a part of my healing, even as I entered into Catholicism, in terms of when you come out of abuse, uh, when somebody knocks the crap out of you all the time when you're a kid or, or you're, you're always sick, which I was, or you're wrestling with demons, which I was, um, 
it, it, when you exit that environment, it all comes with you. And so, uh, so even though I had, I exited that reality into hope with Christ, I still had all those problems and even some of those demons. Um, At what point in your life were you able to get complete healing in those areas? It's interesting you asked, really, it's been in the Catholic Church. I, I began a, a process by God's grace through the gifts given to me as an evangelical in the sense that I began to study scripture and say, okay, well, Jesus said, my peace, I leave you, my peace, I give you, not as the world gives, you know, uh, so, but I didn't have the peace. I had the hope, but not the peace. Um, and, and so I began to memorize passages in scripture and, and dig into them. Like, what, what does it mean in Romans eight, when it says the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on, on, um, on the spirit is life and joy and peace, or what does it mean uh, in um, in Romans where it says, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind," or or in I think it's Corinthians which says, "Take every captive thought captive to the obedience of Christ," or you know, uh, in, in other mostly Pauline passages where it speaks of the peace that passes understand, you know, all understanding. Mm -hmm. So I began to memorize all of these and began to think, well, how does this work? And so I sort of constructed this battle plan that I worked by, which was, this was all true. And if a thought entered in that reflected untruth, like as an example, I am, I am worthless. You know, I'm not worthy of the love of God. Um, I would go to scripture and find the counterbalance and literally write these things out. I would say, in Jesus' name, I renounce the lie that I am worthless, that I am not, lo that I am not lovable. Um, and, and then I would, I would say, in Jesus' name, I renounce that lie, and I embrace this truth in Jesus' name. And I would ask God to forgive me in my unbelief, to help me to uh, find uh, and know the reality of this truth. And I just for years and years worked through this battle of, of reprogramming my mind to the truths of God and, and, and also, you know, giving myself over as much as I understood how to prayer and, and devotion and coming to know Jesus. And I've got a great, by the way, just as a side note, I have a, a great post out on spiritualdirection.com. And I think the name of it is uh, Who Are You? And it's under the blog section, and you just kind of have to click through and, and click on one of the blog posts or whatever. And you can search and find, um, you can find uh, a post that, uh, who are you? Or who am I? I think it is actually. Who am I? Who am I? And it, and it lists all the passages that, uh, you know, who we really are in, in Christ, mm -hmm. it would just work out that I'm having trouble finding that. But um, that's, how, that's how it always works. So right. what I'm hearing you say is, uh, really, what you were wrestling with was identity. Identity. Yeah, also demons. I mean, right. but, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's when you understand who you are in God, you know, like Ephesians one says that he, he set us apart before the foundation of the world. You know, Joe, he, so the, the power of this idea is most people think the greatest act of grace was, was on the cross. And I, I'm not really arguing with that, but I would say when, when he conceived of Joseph Warren, he knew what you would do. 
in opposed to him. He knew that Joseph Warren, by his sins, would, would, would in effect be part of driving those nails into Jesus' hands and feet. He, in effect, would be a part of, of his scourging at the pillar. And yet, he, he loved you enough to bring you into existence. For what purpose? For an eternal relationship of love with him. He wants to dwell with you in eternity. He wants to be with you all the time. He wants all of the greatness of who he designed you to be, to be in union with him and to spread his light and truth and be a part of his uh, economy of salvation. And so a great deal of my own freedom and the freedom of every Christian is coming to the fullness of the reality of what God has done for us, how much he loves us, and then conforming our hearts and minds and lives to that reality, you know, and then living out this great and glorious faith. You know, we're in an incredibly dark time in the church and in the world. We, we're either going to be the, you know, the disciples pre, pre, you know, conversion where they're in the boat and just a bunch of wusses. And it's like, oh, you know, the world, it's all, you know, it's the storm, the storm. And they have the Son of God laying there pretending to be asleep. That's my theory. Going, okay, this is going to be interesting. He stands up and says, you know, he, he says, shut up. And, and, and the entire storm disappears and you have glass sea. And they're going, whoa, now contrast that to St. Paul, who's a prisoner in chains on a, on a ship heading to, to, you know, make his defense of, uh, in, in, uh, before uh, the emperor. And there's a storm and whatever. And the guy's a, a prisoner. He ends up leading every single person to safety by hearing from God, by being at peace in the midst of the storm, by being a prophetic witness to God. Uh, so the radical, the reason for the contrast, right, is Pentecost. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God to live out our faith. So I don't know why I went all there, but, um, So BC nation, um, what I'm taking away from, uh, Dan's testimony, uh, here is witness talk is that, uh, wherever you are, however you've started, um, God doesn't want you to remain there. Right. And there is a way out. And if you're wrestling your own demons, if you're wrestling those voices in your head that say you're not good enough, you're worth nothing. You're worthless. Yep. Why were you even born? Yeah. Some of these may resonate with you. Some of these we've each had. And what Dan did, which I see as his little success strategy, I'm a business guy, right? So it's like, well, what was the formula that got you out of that, that hole? And uh, what he did is he renounced the lies and then embraced the truths and, and reprogrammed uh, the, the distortion that was in his mind from his upbringing. And the formula he used is, and you can use it for yourself, is in Jesus' name, I renounce the lie that blank. And then fill in the blank. What's that voice in your head giving you that lie? And then in Jesus' name, I accept the truth, that blank. And then fill it with a Bible passage, a scripture that's the counter to that lie. And you will be set free in the name of Jesus. I've done this myself. I know it to be true. So Dan, um, give us a, a third step for one of our listeners somewhere in the world who's wrestling with some of those demons, a third step that you would give them to take action on, something they can do this week, this, uh, today, uh, to really step 
into closer relationship with Christ or into relationship with Christ? Well, foundationally, of course, we have to have that yes to God, which is that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not you, you, you know, I'm not God. I desperately need you. You know, this sort of, uh, uh, sub, giving submission one over. Yeah. Um, trust, you know, and then the sacraments are absolutely necessary for healing. You know, that Jesus said in John six, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. And so we, some of our brothers and sisters acknowledge Jesus, but don't have the fullness of grace that he's offered through a valid Eucharist or reconciliation, the ability to have our sins forgiven. Of course, that happens in baptism. But by the delegated power of God uh, that he's given to a priest, Jesus meets us in the confessional and says, you know, I absolve you. I've paid for that. You know, rise, stand up and walk, you know, clean and, and whole. So those are foundational. I think becoming Catholic, what sort of uh, led me into the, the final phase of my own healing is really understanding discernment of spirits. The mystical tradition of the church is really a medicine unmatched uh, in any, uh, uh, in all of Christianity in that, you know, some people are proposing these goofballs are proposing mindfulness and, you know, Buddhist techniques. And it's like, great. So in the end, if you feel good, but you've not moved an ounce closer to God, why don't you just do it the way the saints did it? And you will find all the peace you need to find because Jesus is not a liar and he promises it. And Jesus didn't say, hey, Buddha, could you fill in where I kind of screwed up? He gave us everything we need to, to be there. So Ignatian spirituality, my heart, the heart of my spirituality is Carmelite in terms of understanding prayer and the and depths of relationship with God. But Ignatius's unique gift was, was called discernment of spirits and that he uh, was given great grace by God to understand how God speaks to us through the good spirits, through the angels, and, and you know his own direct speaking to us, or whatever through the church or the sacraments, and how the devil works and speaks to us. And he's given us these kind of rules of discernment. There's 14, there's two sets, but the first rule of, uh, is helping you understand what's desolation and how does the enemy drive us into doubt, despair, and narcissism. What is consolation? How does the spirit of God? in and through his own means drive us to faith, hope, and love. So Dan, let me pause you right there. Would yeah. you uh, say um, that right now, culturally, uh, the world is going through a, a, a desolation, yeah. um, like big time, and, and it's epidemic? Yeah, so I've been involved personally with exorcisms, and I've, uh, I've been in one of, one of the worst cases in memory in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been... Uh, 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 you know, we just did a big spiritual warfare con conference at the Avila Institute. Um, and we had some of the world's leading experts on this topic. And when you talk with the, the prominent exorcist, they will tell you a case that would have been resolved in one session 10 years ago takes 10 or 20 mm -hmm. or a year in our, in our present time. And I've experienced well, that myself. Why do you think that is? What's different? I think that the this I think that we're in a period. It's hard to judge, but we're in a period of a judgment, maybe some chastisement, you know, for our own sinfulness and rejection of God. I, I think, you know, so hear me. I'm giving my own personal opinion. I don't know, you know, these. How do you judge these things? But it seems the Holy Spirit is lifting His hand a bit and allowing the enemy to have more power and reign. 
Um, there's good reasons for that. There's reasons of, you know, that we deserve uh, in terms of, of uh, punishment. But uh, so it, I really actually have come to believe, and I, I teach a course on discernment of spirits, 70% of the students say it's revolutionary in their life. And usually I have 65 students and another 25 on a waiting list. Why is that? Because they, I think that it's the, it's the God-given answer in our time to the daily battle, which is far more fierce than it's been in, in recent decades, because the enemy has greater reign. And I, I've come to believe that it is not likely that you can live well as a Christian and be a light in this world if you don't understand the demonic and discernment of spirits in particular, just because the battle is so intense. So even if you're devout in your faith and doing all of the right things, I think that it's it's a time, it's a greater time of warfare that you've got to have these tools at your disposal to really uh, be a light in the darkness. Mm, I truly get that. Dan, as all good conversations go, they go yeah. quickly. And uh, where we got to wrap up this show, but I would like to invite you back um, on sure. the show uh, to speak specifically about Avila Institute and yeah. what that mission is and, and how God's calling you to serve there. Um, but right now, I want to uh, welcome you into my favorite part of the show, uh, the confession round. This yeah. is where I ask you 10 quick fire questions. You sure. have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Don't overthink yeah. it. Are you ready, sir? Sure. All right. And before we go there, BC Nation, we're listening to Daniel Burke. You can find him at spiritualdirection.com. That's mm -hmm. Daniel Burke. You can find him at spiritualdirection.com. Daniel, first question. Here we go. What's your favorite thing about God? Mercy. What's your least favorite thing about God? Mm, he's too slow to act. <laughs> According to our timetable, yes. What are you most afraid of? My own ability to sin and mm. say no to God. Yeah. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Entertainment. Entertainment. The out yeah. the window more than a decade ago. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Hmm. I don't have much fear about people. So I don't know how to answer that one. Maybe how uh, in relation to you, you in relation to them, uh, sometimes people's agendas, we all have some kind of secret fear. I have thick skin, so and I get criticized all day, every day in my work. So I don't really care about that. I think, I think that um, maybe doubting my sincerity because I believe so deeply and I want to serve people. So I guess maybe that, but I, I don't really resonate much with the question. I get that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Oh, dear Jesus. Um, I wish I'd become Catholic uh, 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 straight away. Uh, the, the depths and riches of the church, though I was deeply blessed in Protestantism, the depths and riches of the church are unfathomable. The, the deep wells exist you could spend your entire life in any one of the beautiful traditions of the church, Franciscan, Benedictine, Carmelite, and you won't exhaust the, the, the riches. Mm, beautiful. What's a new habit you want to form? Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm over 50 and my metabolism has slowed down and gluttony has become too close of a friend. <laughs> and what's a bad habit you want to break? Same answer. I want to increase my temperance and uh, 
and uh, and decrease my uh, my. Uh, I've come to like food, and uh, and, uh, and uh, as you know, the Baptists got me to stop drinking, and so uh, the Catholics got me drinking again. So <laughs> I I, uh, I need to be careful about that one too. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Hmm. Abandoned. Uh, completely incapable uh, on my own. I don't have a word for that. Mm. Abandoned to God. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I didn't. Would you, would you use the word insufficient? Incapable. Okay, got it. Without and, God, yeah. And pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your heart. lost, radically uh, oppressed, um, without hope. Hopeless. Got it. And last question, if you could come back to life after you die, Dan, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Give everything to Jesus. Hold nothing back. Give everything to Jesus, Startup Nation. Uh, sorry, BC Nation. I got two shows. Um, hold nothing back. And any final wisdom, Dan? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus well, not? Well, I would, I would just say um, the entirety of the Avila Foundation is wired around helping people answer that question. So spiritualdirection.com, avila-institute.com. We have... Uh, we have unlimited resources to help you deepen your relationship with Jesus, with the blessed Trinity, with the church, and to find uh, hope and peace and love that God offers you. BC Nation, you've heard it here. Dan Burke um, with, uh, with uh, spiritualdirection.com. And I wanted to share with you a uh, one of our uh, podcast listeners and uh, a little uh, review that they shared. Uh, they wrote on iTunes, Grounded in Faith and Profoundly Human, this podcast. I appreciate the honest and open way Joseph speaks about his own journey and how he draws that level of honesty out of his guest. I believe Daniel really showed up that way today. He opens a door to deep, necessary conversations for faith-oriented people navigating the ups and downs of life. So uh, if you'd like me to re uh, read your review uh, live on the show, and that was uh, Mamalia108. So Mamalia108, thank you so much for that review, five-star review. Uh, go ahead to iTunes and, and post your own review. What's this? Uh, how is God speaking to you through Broken Catholic you know, podcast? Um, what was Daniel's uh, testimony like for you? What did it bring up in your own life? Go ahead and write that, share that, would you? And, uh, you know, you can find me if you're looking for uh, spiritual coaching, uh, a separate version, um, then you can find me at josephwarren.net. If you're struggling and headed for a messy divorce um, and you don't see a way out, there's always a way out. God wants to restore that marriage. I can help you with that if you allow me to. Um, if you're estranged from your children because you've been being the provider mom or dad, but not the present mom or dad, and you want your kids back in your life, uh, that's the coaching that I offer. 
So go to josephwarren.net. Dan Burke, thank you for being on Broken Catholic, my friend. Thank you for the ministry you're doing for God and for his children. And I wish you God's love, God's peace, and God's transformation in your own life, my friend. Amen. Back at you. God bless.